This episode is brought to you by AARP. 18 years from tonight, Grant Gill will become a comedy legend when he totally kills it at his improv class's graduation performance. Knees will be slapped. Hilarity will ensue. That's why he's already keeping himself in shape and razor sharp today with wellness tips and tools from AARP to help make sure his health lives as long as he does. Because the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org slash healthy living. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now, now, prepare yourself for the only talk radio show you'll want to turn up. Crank this thing. Sirius XM Pandora presents the place where your hard rock and metal voice can still be heard. Unfiltered, uncensored, say whatever you want. Hit the record button. Anything can happen, you know. I know that ain't nobody out there came to be mellow tonight, now did you? I say, I say there ain't nobody. I say there ain't nobody not out there that even wants to be a little bit mellow now, is there? Anybody wants to get mellow, you can turn around and get the fuck out of here, all right? This is the Trunk Nation Podcast, Podcast. with host A. Trunk. What's up, everybody? It's Eddie Trunk, and this is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. New episodes every Thursday on all major podcast platforms. Thank you for listening, and thank you for subscribing, bringing you news-making interviews with the biggest names in rock and metal music. As I tell you every week, everything you hear on this podcast originated on my Sirius XM radio show, which is called Trunk Nation, and heard live Monday through Friday, 3 to 5 Eastern Time, on Faction Talk, Sirius XM Channel 103, or anytime on the Sirius XM app. Also, nightly re-airs on 103, which you can hear at midnight Eastern, 9 Pacific. If you can get SiriusXM, meaning you live in the U.S. or Canada, and you are only listening to this podcast, you're only getting a tiny, tiny sample of what I do live on the radio every day. So I urge you to get on board and join me for our live get-together, Talking Rock Music, each and every day on Faction Talk, SiriusXM, Channel 103 for Trunk Nation. So this week, I've got Richie Faulkner, guitarist of Judas Priest, joining me on the podcast. Again, this interview happened a couple weeks ago live on the radio. It was great to catch up with Richie. I had not talked to him since his well-documented health issues and really scary stuff where he literally almost died on stage. And I've not had a chance to talk to him since all of that went down. We discuss that. We discuss a coming new Judas Priest album. And also, the reason for his call was to promote his new band called Elegant Weapons, which sounds really, really good. So it's great to catch up with Richie. I've known him since he joined Judas Priest, actually since before he joined Judas Priest. He was in uh, a band with Lauren Harris, Steve Harris's daughter, and she once came into my radio studio and he was with her. So I've known Richie for quite a while. Great guy, fantastic musician. And this new band he has sounds really, really good as well. 
So let's check it out right now as this week's podcast, Richie Faulkner of Judas Priest and now Elegant Weapons. Enjoy. This episode is brought to you by AARP. 18 years from tonight, Grant Gill will become a comedy legend when he totally kills it at his improv class's graduation performance. Knees will be slapped. Hilarity will ensue. That's why he's already keeping himself in shape and razor sharp today with wellness tips and tools from AARP to help make sure his health lives as long as he does. Because the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org slash healthy living. I'm looking forward to uh, speaking with our guest who is joining us live right now. He's best known as the guitarist, uh, one of the guitarists in Judas Priest and very much a driving force in that band since he joined it. We are welcome. Uh, we are joined now on Trunk Nation by Richie Faulkner. Richie, how are you, man? Eddie, it's always a pleasure to hear your voice, man. I'm doing very well. How are you doing, bro? I'm good, man. Yeah, it's been too long. I was thinking about this, and the last time we spoke was when we were at the height of the pandemic, and you were doing the uh, the str- everybody was doing streams, of course, at that time, and you were doing the live stream with Damon. You did that Thin Lizzy show. You're absolutely right, man. That was that was that was great and weird at the same time. It was great to get out and play live with the amps, you know, pushing air. But there was no one in no one in the room. I mean, to be honest, I've been in that situation before and probably will be again. But it was just weird to be playing those iconic songs to literally no one. But it was great to get out and move some air and play some great riffs. You know, I I had you guys on in advance of that to promote it, and then I I've I don't think I've spoken to you since, but I. Uh, I, of course, watched it when you did it, and I thought it was brilliant, man. I thought you guys just nailed it. It was so, so good. And uh, I don't even know if that is that still out there and archived anywhere if people wanted to see it? I hope so, because we had such a blast making it. I mean, again, man, it's like Priest. It's iconic songs, iconic band, and it was just great. Obviously, Damon had the connection with Lizzie, so it was just great being a part of that with him, playing those songs. So I hope so. Um I don't actually know. I'd have to speak to him about it, but I think it must be out there somewhere, maybe on YouTube or something. It would be really cool because I know at that time everybody was doing uh, paid streams and ticketed streams and all of that, but now some time has passed. There was so much, so many artists did some really cool stuff back then. It would be cool if that could be put out, even in some sort of live record or, or, or as you said, just simply put on YouTube because it's something people should really see. Uh, uh, you guys nailed it. Amazing songs. And, and now how about Damon being in Leonard Skinner? That's pretty darn cool, too. I mean, it's fantastic for him. I mean, obviously, Gary Rossington passing is very sad news. But I mean, I think Damon is the guy for the job. He was doing it for a little while before Gary passed away. Uh, and he's going to continue into the future. I think they found the right guy with Damon. He's stoked to be doing it. And he's from Alabama. I mean, I know uh, Lynn Skinner aren't originally from Alabama, but they're famous for that song. And uh, Damon's from Alabama, so it couldn't be more perfect, really. Hey, before we get on to some other things, speaking of passing away, I'm sure you probably just heard the news minutes ago. It was announced that Tina Turner passed away. Do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, what an icon, what an absolute global universal icon. I mean, I can't believe it, really. I mean, she had a good she had a good run, 83 years old. That's a good innings. But I mean, an absolute icon. I mean, I got I mean, I was introduced to Tina Turner via the Brian Adams Reckless album. She'd done a song with him. Uh, it, it's only love. I think it was. Yeah. Called. 
And I was yeah. a massive fan of Brian, still am a massive fan of Brian Adams and that record. And I remember being uh, introduced to that voice as it came over the speakers and, you know, obviously went from there. But just an incredible voice, an incredible career and just an iconic human being, really. So she'll be sadly missed, but a legend will live forever. So, you know, rest in peace, Tina. Yeah. And you know what I always and you being, uh, of course, from England and being British, I, I didn't realize this until I watched some shows and documentaries about her. But she, of course, was super popular in America and at her height would headline arenas here. But in in England and in Europe and in other countries, even when she was on maybe a little bit more of a downturn in America, she would she was like a stadium act there. Right. I mean, I never saw Tina uh, in, in an arena, but yes, she was. She was, you know, top top tier. I mean, and rightly so. Uh, yeah. The best was probably one of the biggest. Uh, top 10 pop songs uh, in the last, I mean, of that decade, I'd say. Uh, so yeah. it, was, it was well deserved, you know. And um, again, she won't be forgotten in a hurry. No, no doubt. Hey, man, so before we get to some music stuff with you and talk about your, your fantastic new band as well, most important, I want to hear how you're doing, man, because we have not had a chance to talk since you went through everything you went through. And, uh, you know, where are things at with you? How's your health? I appreciate you asking, man. I'm doing well. Um, I'm, you know, strong and I'm healthy. And, you know, I've had to t make a couple of lifestyle changes, but they're not big ones. You know, I've been really fortunate and really lucky that, um, you know, the, the changes I've had to make are, are fairly small compared with the challenges some people face. So I'm just happy to be here talking to you about new music and, you know, all the, I'm just happy to be here talking to you, really. So I, I really appreciate you asking, man. I'm doing well. Yeah, no, man. I mean, it was, uh, I mean, we all know, and it was well documented when it all happened and, and everything. And I believe you had said, or somebody had said you had to have a second procedure since the initial one, but, but the, what the doctors are telling you is you're good to go and they've got everything for lack of a better term buttoned up for you now. Yeah. I mean, I have to go for checkups every six months and the second surgery was a result of one of those checkups. They found a leak basically, uh, in, in the, from the initial surgery. So I had to go back in there. They had to open me up again, get in there and basically fix the leak and then do me up again. I like the term buttoned up. That, that's pretty cool, man. I like that. <laughs> um, and that's basically what I had to do. So we came off the European leg last year. Um, and one of the one of the most daunting things really was knowing that there was something leaking in there while touring around Europe. So any little twinge or anything in there, you think, oh, is this it? You know. But the doctors were fine with me doing it. So I came from that European tour, went straight, you know, went into the operating theatre, got that done, uh, healed up, and after a couple of months, we were back out in the states touring again. So for me, um, playing, um, getting back out on tour. It served as kind of like a medicine, really, and it's part of the healing process for me to get back out, get back on it, and it really served as kind of it made it it made it an easy process for me, along with the support system at home and with the surgeons and everything like that. It's just part of getting back to who I am and getting back on the horse, really, and getting out and doing it. How did you feel physically, Richie, playing the first show back after everything that had happened? Did you were did you feel um, were you apprehensive? Did you feel winded halfway through? I mean, how how did you how did you feel being up there again after everything that had gone on? Well, I was a little bit apprehensive, as you can imagine. You know, you have to go through cardiac rehab to get your heart and your, your 
cardiac system back to full strength. But, um, you know, we had some rehearsals and we did, did some checks and everything was going to be fine. But you never know what it's going to be like once you put the leather and the studs on and you get in front of a few thousand people. Your adrenaline is different and your heart rate could be different. So you never quite know 100% how you're going to be. So it's a bit of apprehension, but um, it went fine. And the fans have been nothing. I mean, they've just been so supportive over the whole, whole uh, process. Um, and I couldn't thank them enough for it. So it went great. And uh, we went from strength to strength after that. And lastly on this, did you ever get any insights from your doctors as to what caused this? Was this something, the heart issue, was this something that you were born with that was undiagnosed? Was it caused by something? Did you get, is there anything cautionary you could tell others that might be listening about warning signs or what have you? I mean, what did you learn about this in in retrospect when all was said and done? Well, I've learned quite a lot, to be honest with you. Um there's nothing I've did. I've done genetic testing. There's nothing that showed up on the genetic test. Uh, what it's come down to is high blood pressure, apparently. But I don't think high blood pressure. Uh, I mean, I could have, I could have done, I could have drank 20 cans of Red Bull for 10 years, and I don't think my blood pressure would have been as high as to cause what it did. So I don't know. It's, it's a bit of a bit of a mystery, really, um, depending on who you ask. But um, I would say to people. When you go and get checks done, they don't normally check this. They check your your actual heart, but they don't check the surrounding areas and, you know, the plumbing. Uh, and that was what was wrong in my case. My heart's completely fine. Um, it's the, the aorta surrounding it um, that basically exploded. And so I'd say to anyone that's worried about anything like that or it runs in their family, you know, go and get it checked out and specify to the doctors to check it out and make sure that they do. Because, you know, I was 41 when it happened. And there was no way that, that would have crossed my mind that anything like that would have happened. So I'd definitely say if you're worried about it, you know, ask your doctor to check it out. Yeah, I mean, you're still a relatively young guy. So for that to happen, it's it's unbelievable. But I tell my audience all the time, I mean, I'm 58. I tell the audience all the time, man, as we get older, it's so important to keep up with screenings and tests as best you can, whether it's you know, heart stuff, cancer stuff, colon cancer. It's just so vitally important. And I'll go one further as far as the heart thing is concerned. And I kind of touched on this a little bit. I have a history of that in my family. And there's something you can get done called a, a calcium scoring test where they look at a buildup in your arteries. And it costs like 100 bucks. It's not invasive. There's no prep. And it gives you a great baseline. And I'll tell you, man, I didn't talk about this much on the air, but I, I get that test routinely and I had a really, really bad, bad result. So I went through all these tests and they all came back and I'm good. But it, for peace of mind, you know, you'd never know where you're at unless you go and get checked with things. And it's just, uh, you know, it's so important. We lost Ronnie Dio. The anniversary of his death was just recently. I did some fundraising stuff. His doctors were there. They told me the same thing. If Ronnie would have gotten checked and screened, he may have still been with us. He would never go to the doctor. He always shunned that stuff. So as we get older, I know we all feel like we're invincible, but it's so important to keep up with this stuff. Your thing's a little different, though, man, because it sounded like it was just out of left field and it, you had no idea it was coming. And obviously it was ultra serious, but anything you can do to help yourself along the way is so important. Definitely. And as you said, you know, if, if there's any idea of that in your family, you've got any worry about it, or as you said, if you get to a certain age, get get ahead of it, you know, get ahead of anything like that, get regular tests. And it's a pain, you know, no one wants to go through that, but 
you know, you've got to do it. You've got to catch it early enough. And if you do, it could help you out in the long run for sure. So you feel good. You're good to go. No restrictions on you. And you're just going to get checked every six months and you should be good from here. That's what they're telling you. I should be. Fingers crossed. You know, um, <laughs> if I went through that and I'm, I mean, to be honest with you, I felt all right the day before that happened. So I don't know. <laughs> you never know. But uh, yeah. as far as what they're telling me and uh, I'll stick to, you know, the meds and what I need to do, I should be fine, you know. So Well, thank crossed. God, man. Great, great news. That's that's the most important thing by far. So let let's talk about elegant weapons, man. I got to tell you, I've I've not heard the whole record, but I've heard uh, the tracks that are out, and it's absolutely phenomenal. Tell me when you had the idea to do this band, and um, who's actually in it with you? Because at one point, I I believe Scott Travis was doing stuff with you, but he's on the record, but he's not in the band. I know Ronnie Romero. Extraordinary singer is singing. I just saw him sing with Schenker, by the way. Spoke to him for a bit. Um, but tell the audience about Elegant Weapons and 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 this record and how you put it together. Well, as you know, I joined Priest on the farewell tour, so right. you know that was back in 2011. And you know, fortunately for the world, Priest is still going. We're still putting out new music, still touring. The world's a better place for it. But when I joined, it was you know it was meant to be the last go round. I would have been silly, really, not to consider what I was going to do after that. So the idea has been in my head for a while uh, as to what I'm going to do when priests call it a day. Um, and as I said, we from there, you know how it works. You do a you do a live tour that fires you up. You go into the studio and put down some new ideas, and then you take those ideas onto the road, and that fires you up again. You go, you know, and the cycle continues. And here we are, 12 years later. So. It, Priest became my band, you know, it wasn't, it didn't work out as the final world tour, we kept it going, and that was what I was doing for the last 12 years, and still is, so I didn't really have a chance to put anything else together, until the pandemic hit, really, and then no one was doing anything, um, everyone was trying to figure out what to do, if we're ever going to play live again, there was a point where I was thinking, is this it, and I'm sure there were some other musicians out there that were thinking the same thing, you know, are we going to actually go out and be touring musicians again, or is it going to change completely? So it gave me some time to consolidate a lot of ideas that I'd had and write new ones and put together something that I could maybe, you know, have I got an EP? Have I got an album? Have I got a band? What have I got here? You know, so that's, it kind of gave me the time to be able to do that. Um, and that's, this is the result really. So I got had a collection of songs and it was different to Priest. That was also important, you know, to have a, uh, you know, a band that had a different sonic character to Priest. Otherwise, there'd be no point, man. You know, Priest have been gracious enough to let me contribute to the writing on the last two records and the one we're working on now. So if it sounded like a Priest record, that, that's what we do with Priest. There's, there's no real point in me doing that. So it had to have its own sonic character, and it did. Um, so I, I went with it, and I, I called up, you know, some buddies of mine who happened to be legends, uh, Scott Travis. I've always promised Scott as well, you know, if I ever did anything outside of Priest, that I'd give him first refusal. And I was fortunate enough that he was able to do the record. And Rex as well. I called Rex up and I said, Rex, I've got this record. Would you do me the honor of recording bass on the record? And um, he really liked the songs. Rex and, Brown, uh, you're talking about, right? From Pantera. Rex, Rex Brown from Pantera, the one and only, yeah. Right. So, um, Really grateful and fortunate that they were both able to record the record, along with Ronnie Romero, um, 
who, as you said, sang with, sings with Michael Schenker, sang with Rainbow. He's a legend in the making, in my opinion. I think he's fantastic. Um, Extraordinary so voice. I, I mean, brilliant. And, and to me as well, he's got that same thing that the, the music's got. It's got an undeniable influence. You know, dude, I'm, I'm 43 years old. I, I grew up in the 80s listening to 70s, 80s and 90s rock. You know, that's who I am. It's the, the influence is undeniable. But it's 2023, and I'm aware of that as well. And I think Ron is the same. You can hear the influence in his voice. But he's a modern-day singer, and I think he's perfect for it. And he, he just does a stellar job. So put it together, put the record together, and then um, went from there, really. Obviously, the, Scott and Rex are busy doing other things. And um, so I've got some other guys. I mean, I'm just really great. Like, I'm really fortunate. I've got, like, really good friends that are really good musicians. You know, so I called up um, Christopher Williams from Accept and Davey Rimmer from Uriah Heap um, and asked them if they could join and take the band out on the road and take it to that level. So that's what we're doing now. We're, we've got some dates coming up in June and July in Europe. And we're actually supporting Pantera for four dates in Europe. Um, and that's where we are. So that's what happened. That's where it comes. It's a long-winded answer to a pretty simple question. But um, that's where it came from. And that's where we're going now. No, but there's a lot of interesting stuff in there. So so as far as the lineup is concerned, the record was made with Rex Brown playing bass and Scott Travis playing drums, but because obviously Rex is doing Pantera again and obviously Scott, you know, with Priest and whatever else he's doing, uh for for touring purposes and for the purposes of the lineup that you're going to go out with, on bass is Dave Rimmer and on drums is Christopher Williams. Uh, but on the actual record, the performances are Rex and Scott. That's correct, yeah. Um, and as we move forward, you know, the band obviously now is Christopher, Davey, myself, and Ronnie. Uh, and hopefully, you know, you know what bands are like. They evolve and they grow as they play together. They play live. You kind of connect with the fans, and it becomes uh, an amalgamation of those characters in the band. So I'm looking forward to seeing what the next record brings, you know, in terms of creativity and character. You know, that's what I'm looking forward to. Your history with with Rex, um, how long do you, how how far do you go back with Rex? When, did you know Pantera back in the day? Like, uh, were were you a fan? Did you see them with the original band back then? Unfortunately, I didn't. I mean, I was quite blinkered. There was about a year in my teenage life, which is quite a long time when you're a teenager. You know, when you're when you're thirteen, a year is like forever. So there's about a year when all I listened to was Metallica, Iron Maiden, and Pantera. That was it. Um, so, but I never, I never got to see them. Um, we've just been out on the road in South America uh, on the Knotfest, and Pantera were on that, and it was just unbelievable. It was another level crazy. I mean, the, the fans down there were absolutely another level. I mean, I was backstage and when Pantera were playing, and it was maybe 50, 50 meters from the stage, the backstage area, I was sitting there having a yogurt or something. I can't remember what it was, but Cowboys from Hell started and it started the intro and then the song took off and everyone was just bouncing up and down. So like there were so many people bouncing up and down. The floor was shaking. The floor was, it was like the T-Rex from Jurassic Park was coming, man. It was like unbelievable. The amount of passion and energy that band put out and they get it back from the audience. It was unbelievable. So I didn't get to see them back in the day but they're out again now, as we know, and uh, they're not doing too badly by the sound and, and the look of it. 
No, but the reason why I ask that is because of your age. I was curious if you got to see the original band because I I was lucky enough that I did. I mean, I saw them in clubs before they even broke. And it's it's interesting now because I think what's happening with these guys going out, and it's, it's, it's funny because when you talk to Charlie and Zach, who are both old, old friends, um, and I know you know them as well, uh, they'll stop you and say this is a tribute to Pantera from their perspective that's how they look at it and I think that's respectful and and the way it should be looked at but I think it's great because you're a perfect example you're 41 you said and they've not been active for a good whatever it's been 15 years 20 years and I know a lot of people who are your age or even younger who love the music, but they never got to see it in any kind of incarnation. So just to see it represented and played live with, of course, Phil and Rex and then Zach and Charlie doing a tremendous job. I mean, it's a real great celebration of the music. I've not seen this lineup yet, but I know those guys and I know what they're doing with it and where it's coming from. And I think it's just fantastic that younger people can at least see that music represented live because as you just talked about it, it destroys live. I mean, people go crazy. Yeah, exactly that. I think, you know, Rex is out, obviously Phillip's out. Uh, and then and they've got two people that are connected intimately with the band, you know, w- with Dime and Vinny, um, you've got Zach and Charlie. Uh, you've got, you know, not only a musical connection, but a, a personal one as well. Um, you know, I, I've, I've said it a million times. There's a thousand people that can play those songs note for note on YouTube, but there's not many people that are intimately connected with the guys on that level. And that, to me, right. is the heart of the band. That band is all about heart, you know. So uh, I think that, you know, it's not me for me to decide, but they pick the guys that they want up there, and that's what they're doing. And uh, as you said, the people that didn't get to see the band back in the day uh, uh, and now have now got the um, chance to, you know, experience those songs, a million decibels, uh, you know, and that's the way it should be. Yeah. So going back to Elegant Weapons, this material, uh, you mentioned that obviously you're much younger than the other guys in Priest. And as you said, when you first joined, it was kind of a farewell tour. I remember that period very clearly, Epitaph and all of that that was going on. Um, So you obviously have to start thinking about things down the line, because as much as we all wish Priest would go on forever, it's just not going to be feasible. So this is really like you setting up, I look at it as your as your next thing, kind of parallel to that. And it's incredibly common, as we know, for almost every musician now to have at least one other band, even if they are in a major band. But tell me about the origins of this material, Richie, because did you start writing some of this stuff as early as 2011, 2012? Or did you only start to really hone in on this band in the last couple of years and maybe generated by the downtime of the pandemic? It was a couple of years before the pandemic. I had, uh, you know, Eddie, I'm always writing. I'm always putting down, you know, melodies and riffs and ideas. And it was a couple of years before that. I had a couple of song ideas kicking around, a couple of song starts, you know, so I might have had a couple of verbs and choruses. Um, so I had some ideas floating around. Um, and then the pandemic, as you said, really focused you know, those ideas and some new ideas to make an album out of it. Uh, And that's really how it came about. Um, And I didn't want to kind of get a band, get a gig in a band like Priest and then say, hey, everyone, listen to my other band. You know, I I thought that was a bit disingenuous as well. You know, they gave me 
uh, a voice in the band. They gave me an opinion. They made me what I felt was like part of a family, and so did the fans. They welcomed me in, and I thought it would be a bit, it wouldn't be appropriate really to just start another band five minutes after I've joined one of the biggest heavy metal bands in the world, you know. So I thought after 10 years, it was kind of appropriate. I've, I've got some ideas kicking around. Uh, fans know that I'm not, you know, it's not about the dynamic I was talking about. They know that I put my time in and um, I respect Priest and Priest is my band. But why not ever go um, focusing these ideas and seeing what I've got? Because as, as you said, it's kind of laying the foundations for what might come after Priest and what I can, you know, take that, that DNA from Priest and the bands that we're in, the bands that we grew up in, and maybe taking that DNA and that torch when they do retire and taking it into the future. That's the priority, really. Yeah, and I got to tell you, uh, I'm all about singers, and I love singers. And I got to hear Ronnie Romero first sing when he did those shows when Blackmore started playing rock again, whatever that was, probably eight, nine years ago already. And I, I didn't attend those shows in person, but I saw the video that they put out, the concert. And I was astonished because this guy's coming out there and he's covering all this ground, whether he's singing um, you know, purple stuff that they had done in the set or whether he was singing Dio era stuff from Rainbow or Jolin Turner era stuff, whatever it was, Grand Bonnet. I mean, he was covering everything. And then I was just on the Monsters of Rock cruise, which I host a couple, a few weeks ago. And Michael Schenker, who I know you love and I love, was was on the cruise. And I went, I was talking with Michael for a while and I wasn't sure who he had singing. And I watched the show and I realized it was Ronnie and the same deal. He's covering the UFO stuff. He's covering the stuff that, that Michael did with all the various singers throughout his solo career and did it all amazingly well. Um, and I went up, I got to be honest, I went up to Michael after the show and I said to him, I said, Michael, that's the best singer you've had doing justice to all of that material and covering it in a really, really long time. And he just nodded and he said, yeah, you're right. So Ronnie Romero is truly amazing. And I got to talk to Ronnie for a little bit as well on on the cruise. How did you first connect with him? Because I think he's from Brazil, right? He's from Chile. He lives in Europe Chile. now. Yeah, he's from Chile. And, you know, I actually, um, I was talking to Damon, funny enough, Damon Johnson. Um, and he did a singer. And I was thinking, who do I get? And not only, you know, is a, is a great voice, fits the fits the vibe but you know he's a pro and can carry this band and front this band and front it where it needs you know carry it on the level it needs to be carried uh, and damon actually said what about richie blackmore's rainbow and the singer he's got ronnie romero and, I, and a, a light bulb went off and it was like of course ronnie romero i'd seen the footage and he uh, you know he blew everyone away scott travis called me one day from a festival in europe I think Ronnie took everyone's breath away when he came out on the scene with, with Richie because um, no one really knew who he was. And as you said, he was singing this, you know, the whole gamut of Richie's material and just killing it, just nailing everything. And uh, a light bulb went off and I, I just thought, this is the perfect guy to sing the stuff that I want to do. Uh, and I called him up and, um, I, I, you know, we had a good chat as well. And we had a chat about the fact that we're in legacy bands that might not be there you know forever and uh, what i was talking to you about about taking the dna and the torch at some point when they call us up and say you know they've had enough uh, we can take that and 
and hopefully bring it, you know, take it into the future. And he totally got where I was coming from. And uh, But he, he's just fantastic. And I think the great thing about Ronnie on the Elegant Weapons record, if you listen to Ronnie singing uh, Rainbow, you, it's easy to hear the Dio, because obviously it's Dio's tracks or whatever. It's, it's, Dio's voice is what we relate to. You know, we, we know Dio's voice on those tracks, and you can hear that in Ronnie's voice. But I think when he sings on the Elegant Weapons stuff, and I think Ronnie will agree with you, you hear more of the Ronnie Romero coming through. And I think the more we do together, the more of that is going to come out. So it's interesting, you know, it's exciting to me as a musician and a fan of singers. It's exciting to hear what Ronnie brings out of his own voice in the future with the music that we create. So it's an exciting thing. And there's one other priest connection that we should mention to Elegant Weapons, and that is the guy who produced it, who is a phenomenal producer, but also, uh, you know, subs for Glenn in the second guitar spot in Priest for the last few years. And that, of course, is Andy Sneap. Uh, talk about his contributions to the record. I mean, Andy, me and Andy talk every day. Me and Andy do not stop, whether it's he's doing stuff, you know, separately or, you know, I'm doing stuff over here. But we do, we're either talking about amplifiers or guitars or Priest or elegant weapons or whatever it may be we, we don't stop we're we're always doing something to do with music and andy to me uh, you know aside from playing guitar in priest he's a great buddy and he's you can trust him with good and bad stuff he, you know if something's not good enough he will tell you and he won't be shy about it you know but by the same token if something's good he will tell you and you can trust him you know so he he's great you can trust him like that um and I think he was perfect for this because, again, he grew up on the same music that I did. And I wanted those those musical influences to shine through. You know, I'm proud of my influences. I always have been. I mean, you know, as a guitar player, I sound like Schenker, Zach Wilde and Dave Murray. You know, I've been proud of that for God knows how many years. But And I wanted the musical influences of this record to shine through while being sonically relevant in 2023. Andy's that guy. He grew up on the same music and he's sonically relevant as a producer in 2023. You can't get any more perfect than that in my mind for what I wanted to do. So it was a no-brainer really with Andy Snake. Yeah, yeah. It's an, And sonically, all the records he makes, including the recent stuff he's done with Priest, is just it just sounds amazing as well. Um, you've done live shows yet with Elegant Weapons? Did you mention that, Richie? Was When you saw Pantera, were you guys on that bill? Have you gotten out and played live with the band yet? Our first shows are coming up in a couple of weeks in Europe. We've got our first show in Prague on the 12th of June with Pantera. So we've done... We've done a couple of uh, live recordings, like a live couple of live sessions. Um, uh, and obviously, we've rehearsed together a few times. But um, as far as full-blown live shows, we haven't done any yet. So I think our first one's going to be with Pantera in Prague. So hopefully, we'll survive. But it's, uh, it's, it's exciting, man, because live is where, you, again, you connect with the audience. You make mistakes. And as we all know, we learn from our mistakes. I'm looking forward to those mistakes. You know, you... You learn what works, what doesn't work, work, and you can become a, a finely tuned machine from those mistakes. So I'm looking forward to getting out there um, and just really playing live, playing loud, connecting with the audience. Maybe we'll take a few of those fans with us. Who knows? That's the goal. So nothing as far as live shows in America yet, but I do see on the website, and you can learn more about the band, the band's website is elegantweaponsband.com. 
But I'm looking now that on Saturday in Nashville, and I, I believe you still live in Tennessee, uh, there is a uh, you're doing an album signing and record release celebration this Saturday. What can you tell the audience who might be in that area about that? Is that that's open to the public? I assume. Yeah, it's a, it's a record store called Grimey's in Nashville. Um, I've never done anything like that before on my own, so it's a bit daunting. Hopefully, people show up. Otherwise, I'll be sitting there, you know, with a pen and a couple of albums, <laughs> like Spinal Tap. You know, exactly. Yeah, Artie Fufkin, you know, pulling my record. But um, so yeah, hopefully we get at least a couple of people down. But um, so yeah, record comes out on Friday. The signings on Saturday in Nashville. So again, as you said, if you look up on the band's website or the band's socials. You'll find out the information. The, the place is called Grimey's. Uh, so come down, and uh, if I can remember how to spell my name, I could do a signed uh, signed album for you. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, the record is out, uh, Horns for a Halo. It's out on Friday, and then you can, if you're in the Nashville area, go to Grimey's, and you can see uh, Rich. Is it just you that'll be there, or other guys from the band as well? It's just me. It was kind of me and Christopher. Look, Christopher's got other things to do, apparently, because he lives in the area as well. But I think he's got a wedding to go to. So uh, okay. we'll let him off. It's just going to be me on that day. So, uh, so yeah, it'll be good fun. Well, that's cool, too. They can bring their copy of Firepower or some priest stuff down, too, and uh, they can come and say hello and pick up the new record. That's that's awesome. Um, let, let me ask you a couple quick things on Priest, if you don't mind, before I let you go. Um, what are you, you, you alluded to a new record. I know there's been some talk about it. What can you tell us about the status of a new priest record? Well, um, as far as, as far as I know, uh, I think it's all tracked and recorded. Um, the last thing we had to do was Rob's vocals and I think they've been done. So, um, I was speaking to Andy earlier on, as I said, I speak to Andy every day. It's like we're a married couple, but uh, I spoke to him <laughs> earlier on. And um, I think now all we've got to do is mix it, we've got to master it, and we've got to manufacture it. So as you know, I mean, stuff like vinyl takes six to nine months nowadays. So even if we finished it, if we, if we mixed it and mastered it today and submitted it to the record label, you can, you can kind of work out how long it's going to take for the actual thing to be manufactured. So, um, but as far as um, recording-wise, we're, we're all done. We've just got to mix it up and everything. And it's sounding stellar. It's sounding great. Um, really excited can't give too much away i've said before it's a bit more progressive than firepower in the sense that it's got a few more twists and turns musically um akin to like the sinner or tyrant you know he's got a few more musical passages and stuff like that so uh as you know we couldn't make firepower again there's no there's no real artistic merit in that and i don't think you know there's, there's no point we did firepower we just, we've got to make something that's better whether that's better sounding um you know, better songs, better performances, but it's got to be quote unquote better than the last one. So uh, we think it is. Otherwise, we wouldn't be releasing it. So uh, it's exciting. We can't wait to get it out there to you all. Yeah, I mean, uh, Firepower was a tremendous record. Everybody really loved it. But I understand what you're saying, too, because there's uh, so many different sides to Priest when you know the entire catalog. And whether it's something like Beyond the Realms of Death or, of course, Victim of Changes or The Sinner, all that stuff, those more epic pieces, th those are a big part of it, too. So uh, it sounds like maybe you, 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 you try to channel a little bit into some of that direction, too. Yeah, you've got to kind of sit down with a batch of songs. And it's funny, when you sit down with some demos and some ideas, you can, okay, this is the batch we're going with. And then it kind of takes on its own... It, it, an album becomes its own monster 
you know, you never quite know where it's going to end up. And that's an exciting thing about making a record. You know, it, it could be uh, you have an idea for a song and all of a sudden it takes on a different turn or the album takes on a different dynamic. So um, you always set out to do uh, a batch of songs, which are the best you can do. And then somewhere along the line, they could become something completely different. So, but you're always striving to do something better. But as I said, the best performance, the best song, the best solo, uh, the best sound, or whatever it might be, just to get it better than the last one. You know, because Priest have been around for over 50 years, as you know, and it's, you know, the fans have put them there for that long. So how do, I think it's been a driving force for Priest. You know, how do they, how do they show their gratitude for that? You know, and I think it's how do we give back, you know, better, as I said, better performance, make a better album, better set, better production um, and repay that commitment for the last 50 years. I think that's been part of the driving factor uh, for Priest over the last 50 years. And and how is Glenn doing? And was he able to contribute to the coming record? He absolutely was. Yeah, where he could, um, he was able to put some stuff down. Um, and we still had his creative brain, which is really important. So if you know if we're in the writing stages, uh, and he he was having a bad day uh, with the Parkinson's and he couldn't play as well as he he wanted to, he'd sort of translate through me, so I could get the idea down on tape and we could go from there. But uh, he's absolutely contributed to the album and, and played on the record. Um, and I spoke to him the other day, and he seemed to be doing okay. Um, I always say this, but he, he has good days and bad days, and that's just the nature of the challenge that he's facing, you know, with the Parkinson's. Some days it's, he's kind of having a good experience and some days not so good. So, But he sounded okay the other day. Um, yeah. Hopefully we see him, uh, you know, in the near future. Yeah, I email him from time to time, and, and, and it's always nice when he gets back to me and, and uh, to just, just, just knowing that he's, you know, that he's there and that he's on it and that he's – able to email and you know uh, it's 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 wonderful because you know we all love him so much and it was you know fantastic the moments he does get to come out on stage with you guys and and perform it's uh, obviously very special being uh, you know such a such an amazing uh, not only musician but person and part of of the history of Judas Priest um and to that end uh, I've I can't I can't let you go without bringing up the Hall of Fame because again it's been a while since we spoke and you know, I am a uh, I'm a voter for the Hall of Fame, and I was screaming and yelling and voting for Priest for years, right up until you got in. And I was very happy the way the whole thing was handled from your perspective. I was extraordinarily unhappy that you were not included, and um, that blows my mind. And I know you have nothing to do with that. But it, it, I always say it's amazing how it could take a band like Priest so long to finally get in. And then when they get in, the decisions that are made as to who they do, and the Hall of Fame makes those decisions, who they do or do not include, is mind-blowing. Because there's been history where you got a guy that didn't even play on a record that gets included. And then in a case like you, obviously you're a huge part of the band since uh, 2011 and, and several studio records and all of that not being included. Um, you know, I know you're a humble guy and all of that, but did that bother you, Richie, that they didn't include you in, in, in it? Not the band, it's not their call, but the Hall of Fame. Not really. I mean, I've got mixed emotions about the whole thing anyway. I mean, the band included me as much as they could. I mean, they were great. I, I actually offered to not play. You know, I, as you said, I wasn't inducted, so I offered to sit out 
and let the, in, the induct, inductees play. Uh, but they were adamant that they wanted me there to play as part of Judas Priest in 2023 or 2022. So uh, I thought that was really, really great of them. But, I mean, as far as the whole Rock Hall thing, you know, heavy metal and hard rock was always cool because it was our music and it wasn't in the charts. And it was, it was to me, it was... It was cool because it wasn't kind of voted in by the by some other governing body. It was our music, and it was special because it was different, and it didn't need to be in the charts. And now all of a sudden, it's important to be voted into the Hall of Fame. For for what reason, I'm not sure. But so to me, it's not really. You know what I mean? It kind of goes against everything that right. I thought was cool about rock and roll. Um, and I've said it before, but I mean, Priest have been around for more than 50 years. Uh, Maiden are the same. I'm glad Maiden didn't get in. You know, uh, to me, so are they, I think. <laughs> so are they. They want, the, Richie, they want, a, they want nothing to do with it. Like, and, and I think they're the most happy that they don't get in because it's just, they, they, like, I can tell you this for a fact. They've been on the ballot a couple of times and beyond comprehension, they still didn't get in. But when they were on the ballot for the first time, I was talking to some of those guys and to Rod and everything. When I was doing interviews with them around that time, they didn't even want reporters to bring up that they were on the ballot. Like, I, I, I seriously doubt they show up. Like, they give no fucks about the Hall of Fame. But that's, <laughs> that's, cla that's classic Maiden. I mean, you know, they've always just marched to their own drum. But it, I think I tell the audience, because me and, and the other fans, we get so so riled up about this and so pissed off and i'm like i'm telling you i don't i don't think maiden wants anything to do with this, this whole thing <laughs> no, i'm glad i'm glad i didn't get it i mean to me all these bands they're they created something special and magical and they're still doing it they're still putting out new fresh music whether you like it or not they're still creating they're still yeah. touring around the world you know in maiden's case stadiums you know, priests are still doing big gigs in some part of the, parts of the world. But my point is, they're putting out new music. They're still touring to loyal fans around the world 50 years later. Now, that, to me, is more of an accolade than any trophy on the shelf. I don't care what anyone says. And that's why they all do it. That's why the boys in Maiden do it. They, they're not doing it for a pat on the back or an award. They're doing it for the love of doing it and for the fans that put them there. And I don't see that anyone could argue with that but um and that's to me is what it's about so my opinion of the hall of fame is a bit of a a double-edged thing because it was a good fun night anyway i got to meet kk on, on a plus night i got to meet kk i got to meet i got to play with priest with glenn and kk as part of a three-pronged guitar attack which was awesome um i was like a kid in a candy store you know you can imagine um, well, that's. I was going to ask you. I wanted. I I got to jump in there because that's actually what I wanted to ask you. Because again, it, it, you've made wonderful contributions to Priest. And as I I said to the audience before you came on, I remember when you joined the band, and uh, uh, you know I've had you in the studio, and we got to know each other. And I know Rob and many of the guys have pointed to you as the reason why Priest is still going. So none of that can be overlooked. However, at the end of the day you're still a younger guy who grew up loving these bands. So there had to be some element 
that it was like surreal for you that you were on stage between Glenn and KK playing in Judas Priest. Like that, uh, I would think of all the stuff you've done as a member of Priest, that actual moment had to be like almost bizarre to you. <laughs> but it's definitely one of the highlights of my career in Priest for sure as a fanboy. I mean, and it was great to meet him. He sounded great. He looked great. He played well. I thought we looked great together with the two flying Vs up there. It was just a great moment for me as a fan of a fan of the band. Um, so it wasn't all bad, you know. All that stuff we were talking about before—that's true. But at the end of the day, you just have to, you know, enjoy the night for what it is. And there was Lionel Richie was there. I mean, talk about legends: Lionel Richie, Annie Lennox, David Stewart, um, Pat Benatar, Neil Gerard. I mean, it was a star-studded night, man. So to to have Pat Benatar or Lionel Richie four feet away from you. Duran Duran were there as well. I'm a big fan of Duran Duran. So, you know, it was kind of surreal at the same time. But So it was it was kind of, it was a surreal night for lots of different reasons. Did you and KK uh, speak much? And did you work out, I imagine there was a rehearsal with him that you guys worked out who was going to play what part and how that was all going to go? Yeah, we spoke quite a bit, actually. We, we hung out quite a bit. Um, during the rehearsal, we did have a rehearsal a couple of days before, uh, and it was pretty easy to work out. I just said, "Listen, you, you know, you you play whatever you want to play. <laughs> I'll just, I'll just kind of pose in the background, you know." Uh, same with Glenn, but we'd worked all that stuff out prior to that, so we we had an idea of what we were going to do. Uh, but uh, on the day, uh, we hung out a little bit and we we chatted, um, and we got on really well. Um, I've had no real beef with Ken. Um, you know, we we all know the story of the last few years with him and the band, and it's not really been my my fight, really. Um, right. So we got on really well. Um, it was good to see him play, and that was it, really. And if it never happens again, it never happens again. But it was just good to be a part of it for that night. It was. I, I'll tell you, I don't think as a, a as a priest fan my whole life, I don't think that the band and yourself and KK and everybody could have at least on the surface, the way it was presented, I don't think it could have been handled any better and any more respectfully to the Priest legacy because there are a lot of bands. I mean, being a big Kiss fan that I am, when they went in and I was at that induction, the, you know, Ace and Peter didn't play because Gene and Paul refused to play with them and then nobody ended up playing. And as a Kiss fan, we were totally left shorthanded that night. For you guys and whatever animosity or weirdness between the, the, the various camps and everything, to bury all that and to come out and do the right thing for the night and for the fans, I thought was brilliant. I thought that the band and the whole organization uh, couldn't have handled it in a more respectful way. Well, I think that was the only way to do it. There, there was only one way, and that was for everyone to play everything together. As you said, even if it was... You know, if there was stuff going on underneath, uh, you know, or whatever the things might have been, that was what we had to do, and that was the right way to do it. And uh, it worked really well, um, and it came off well. Everyone had a good time, sounded great, looked great, and job done. You know, that was the celebration of Priest getting in the Hall of Fame, and that's the way it should have been done. Listen, man, I, I appreciate all the time. I don't want to hold you much longer. It's just been uh, so long, and it's great to catch up with you. And uh, the family as well. How old is your son now? Uh, it's a it's, it's a little girl. <laughs> oh, girl, I'm sorry. You had a girl. I'm sorry. I thought you had a boy. A, a girl. How old is she? 
She's going to be three in July. She's doing very well. She's into princesses uh, and Dr. Martin boots. <laughs> uh, so she wears a princess dress and a pair of Doc Martins. She's a... Uh, She's, she's great fun. She's a ball of energy. So, um, yeah, great fun being a dad. Uh, that's awesome. And uh, my best to your wife as well. And uh, it, it's great to catch up with you, man. Everybody check out Elegant Weapons. The album is out on Friday. I, I'm telling you, it's fantastic stuff. And you can go to the band's website to learn more. And that website, again, is elegantweaponsband.com. And it's sounding like, Richie, since we're already late May now, that the the priest album that that's being worked on likely for for 2024 it sounds like right i would guess so i mean as i said because of the production times on vinyl and stuff like that taking six you know at least six months so you, you know we can we can draw conclusions on when that's going to be uh coming out so but you know as i said as far as the recording process it's it's done pretty much so uh it shouldn't be too much longer Listen, man, best to your health above and beyond anything. And uh, if you need anything, you know where to get me. It's great catching up, man. Thank you, Eddie. Good to talk to you. Thanks for your support, man. And hopefully see you soon. Okay. Thank you. Take care. See you, brother. Bye-bye. There it goes, everybody. Richie Faulkner from Judas Priest joining us here on Trunk Nation. What a fantastic conversation there. A lot to cover as uh, we just did almost an hour with Richie and it had been a long time since we talked, so there was a lot of stuff to get caught up on, and you got a lot in there. You got Hall of Fame stuff with KK. You got a new Priest record. Uh, you've got this Elegant Weapons record, which is really killer. Brand new music from him coming. And uh, just he's always been a very nice guy, but very straight shooter, very honest, very measured. I first met Richie Faulkner before he was in Judas Priest. He was in Lauren Harris, Steve Harris's daughter. Uh, he was in her band. And uh, Lauren Harris was in my radio studio, and her guitar player at the time came in with her, and it was Richie. And that was before he got the Priest gig. And if you recall, Lauren Harris was opening shows for Iron Maiden. Obviously, her, her dad, Steve, put her on the bill. And Richie did a tour, and he's a massive Maiden fan, as you just heard, did a tour opening for Maiden, backing Steve Harris's daughter. And then that led to him ending up uh, coming in for KK with Priest. And Richie brought it up, and that's a you know very valid point that he brings up, and people tend to forget that. He joined Judas Priest on what was supposed to be a farewell tour. Judas Priest won in the extraordinarily long list of bands who said farewell, said they were ending, and then did not. And that was in 2011. So we're talking now 13 years or 12 years that he's been in the band. And obviously Priest did not retire and he's reinvigorated them. But at the same token, he's 41 years old. Uh, the guys in Priest are, I believe, all in their 70s at this point. They've toyed, they toyed with a farewell 12 years ago. So at some point in the not too distant future, they are going to follow through on that. And Richie's still going to be in his forties likely and going to obviously want to continue making music. Well, a lot to cover there with Richie Faulkner and uh, good to know his health is okay. Two open heart procedures, extraordinarily serious stuff. And in a guy who's extraordinarily lucky that he is still alive, thank God. I mean, that is just crazy what he has endured. 
Uh, he's a younger guy still, so I'm sure that helped a little bit in his favor as well. Uh, but good that he's out there making new music now with Judas Priest, as you heard, and also making some music, uh, great new music, with a new band called Elegant Weapons. By the way, Ronnie Romero, who we talked about, his singer in Elegant Weapons, who in that interview, which again happened a couple weeks ago live on my Sirius XM show, uh, we talked about in that interview Ronnie singing with Michael Schenker. In the time since that interview you just heard happened, Ronnie Romero has announced his departure from Michael Schenker. So I'm not sure if that was just differences with Schenker or because he's making more of a commitment to Faulkner's band. But Romero's a fantastic singer, and since that interview was done, has announced his departure from the Michael Schenker group. I bring that up because we discussed in the interview that, uh, you know, Ronnie also sang with Schenker, and that is now no longer the case since that interview was done and aired live a couple weeks ago. Remember, check me out each and every weekday, Monday through Friday, live 3 to 5 Eastern Time on Sirius XM Channel 103 Faction Talk or anytime on the Sirius XM app. Sixth Sirius XM show for you on Mondays, 5 to 8 Eastern on Hair Nation. There is a terrestrial radio show as well, syndicated, and there is my YouTube show, That Rocks, with Don and Jim. Lots to check out, lots to connect with. And thank you for listening to the podcast. And be sure to follow me on social media at Eddie Trunk, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook page. Have a great week, everybody. Catch you next Thursday for a new episode of the Eddie Trunk podcast and hopefully on the radio every day on 103 Faction Talk, 3 to 5 Eastern Time Live. Take care.